Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast, where we're serving up gospel-fueled courage to the Christian woman to remain faithful in her calling. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast. Jordan and Lexi here. Hello. What have you been doing today? Um, School and weeding. Nice. And cooking, I guess. I am cooking too, so. Yeah. We were just talking a little bit about her garden before we actually started recording. Well, we actually were recording, but Jared usually cuts out (laughs) at the beginning. Um, And Jared just asked me the other day, we haven't actually done an episode just on gardening, have we? We've we've talked about gardening a lot in one of our episodes. But maybe someday we should talk about gardening, just like all the plants that we've been messing with this year and all that. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, that'd be a fun one. That'd be a way fun yeah. one. I posted today about our elderberry bush that we have in our back tree line. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've probably told you the story before, but it's a cool story and I'll share it on here just in case anyone didn't see it. But um, whenever we first moved here, there was like a list of things that I wanted to plant and knew that I wanted to grow because um, unless God does something else, this is our home, hopefully forever. So there's just certain things we moved in. I'm like, okay, I know I want to have elderberry bush or mm. bushes. I know I want to have blackberry patch. Like I know I want to have strawberries. Um, Jared wanted to have pecan trees, like just things that even if they weren't going to be producing right away, we knew we were going to live here for a long time. So we wanted oh, yeah. to get have down the road and elderberry bush was one of them. And um, the week that we moved into our house, um, I think we moved in on a Tuesday and it was just like a couple days later, we were still unboxing everything. And Jared was burning the boxes outside and um, a gust of wind blew and blew one of the burning boxes into our tree line and started a brush fire. And it was like oh my a gosh. Welcome to the neighborhood. <laughs> brush fire that went up like immediately. And um, yeah, it was like our brand new house. We had just finished building and we had just had friends that built a house and their brand new house burnt uh, down that they had just built. <gasps> no yes. way. Yes. Yes, before they even got to move in. So anyways, like those those thoughts were fresh in our mind and like this brush fire is going on right behind our house. I was like, oh my gosh. And we didn't have a hose that was long enough to reach to the tree line. So I'm just like muscling five gallon, two five gallon (gasps) buckets, one in each arm, just running to the tree line and back. And Jared has a rake and he's like trying to like beat it out. And um, yeah, it was terrifying. And it ended up burning like a hundred feet of our tree line. And it was just like one of those, I don't know if you've ever had one of those adrenaline moments where it's just like, you feel kind of sick the whole rest mm-hmm, of the day mm-hmm, because you're just mm-hmm. had adrenaline so much that it was like, I don't know, there's like adrenaline fallout or something that makes you feel just like nauseous for hours. <laughs> but it was like that type of an experience. But anyways, the cool thing about it was the next spring, when everything started growing back, I was looking at my kitchen window and we noticed um, blooms on our elderberry, an elderberry bush. And I was like, wait a minute, that looks like the bloom, because elderberry blooms are like very distinct. It looks like an umbrella. You can spot them when you're driving down the road. And um, so anyways, I went out and looked and an elderberry bush, bush grew from the ash of the, oh, that's cool. of what the stuff that burnt down and um, blackberry bushes came up and a grapevine. No way. Yes. yes. <laughs> 
it's almost like you guys, because I know, I do know that they used to control, like, I think it was Native Americans, Joel Salatin was talking about, they used to control forests by burning them down so other things could grow Mm -hmm. up. I wonder Mm -hmm. if it was something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was just choked out by, probably, there's this thing here that grows that call, it's called Russian olive. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, so it was probably just choked out by that and like other mm-hmm. kinds of random weedy stuff. And then whenever oh my that gosh. all <laughs> burned so cool. down, um, <laughs> cool things grew back. And we're like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. <laughs> so now we like keep it tended so the other things don't choke it out. And um, we've got elderberries off of it the past couple of years. So it's been really exciting. And, then, cool. uh, and then also we realized that there was pecan trees in um, the field next to us. So yeah, God That's provided. Cool. That is God, so weird. God gave us pretty much all the plants Seriously. that we wanted to have. We're like, oh my gosh, the pecan tree. You know, I, story too, I do sure. think that yeah. that's something I have learned about gardening this year is like, if you actually believe it's something the Lord has like called you to do as part of dominion taking and just like really praying and asking for the things you desire and that he would prosper mm-hmm. what you do put yeah. in the ground. Um, like this year, I just never thought that we'd ever get any fruit in the ground. And I've had, we've had random people just give us just free fruit starts. So now we have like four different types of fruit in the ground that I just never thought we'd be able to get to that for a few years. So it's really cool the way that God does start providing when you just dream on large scale. I know. I know. It's cool. It just shows the kindness of God, like in little things, you know, mm-hmm. and elderberry mm-hmm. bush wasn't oh, yeah. a need. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was just like a want, just wanted one and um, God gave it to me and it was just really sweet of him. But yeah, that was our cool elderberry story, but I posted about that today. That's so, really cool. Yeah. Uh, speaking of gardens and stuff, I, we prayed over our garden this year whenever we planted everything. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, God, well, we're doing our little work here that seems measly, mm-hmm. but you will bring yeah. the harvest. So mm-hmm. like he does in all things. So yeah, we prayed <laughs> as a person. I prayed over my garden actually, but That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we had yard sales around here today. So are you guys, is anybody being brave enough to have a yard sale in Utah? Yet? I did see one, not as many as usual for sure. And I did yeah. see one. Um, I, were people wearing masks or? No, well, I mean, a couple of people, oh, we good. went to like eight today because there was a town-wide yard sale and a couple towns over from us. So we went, oh. there was a couple of people attending that had masks on, but hardly any. It's, okay. funny, it's funny how rioting and stuff like cures a pandemic somehow. <sighs> Don't get me started. <laughs> like, oh, oh, this is cool. The pandemic's over. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, we, uh, we went to like eight yard sales today and brought $25 and got 9 million things. Oh, that's cool. What kind of stuff? Yeah. What was your favorite thing you found? Um, let me think my favorite thing I found. Um, my, f- uh, okay. I have two favorite things that I found. One favorite thing that I found, we went to this one that, um, was a couple that his mother had passed away in November. So they were selling her whole estate and, oh. um, there was a vintage Christmassy tablecloth that had poinsettias and pine cones on it and like mm-hmm. pine tree looking stuff on it. It was so cute. And I went to go ask him how much it was. And he was like, oh, free. Any of the linen stuff is free. Oh. I was like, sweet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I got that and a really cute old apron um, for free. And what else did I get? I love estate sales. I know, me too. Um, Jared got a really cool like from the night, I think you said it was like 1976, um, Coleman camping lantern thing. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. About that one. And, um, another cool thing that I got is like a stemmed vase, like a shallow vase that has the glass frog on top of it, you know? 
not frog like ribbit frog, but frog like that you put stems down in when you're arranging flowers. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. Yeah. About? Mm-hmm. yeah. So I got one of those. It's like really cool. I've never seen one like on a little stem like that and it's shallow. So I'm excited to do hmm. like a arrangement that's more of like a sprawled out hang oh, yeah, type yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those are some of the funner things that I got. And then we got a bunch of kid books. Of course, like some Hot Wheels cars. Got to have the Hot Wheels cars. I'm going to have to go find some estate sales now. It's kind of tricky because since Brian works on Saturday, it's kind of tricky for me to go with all yeah. the kids. Yeah. But yeah. I love going. It's so fun. Yeah. Um, I also got some clothes. I got like a, um, I got four pieces of clothing for 50 cents total. So that was awesome. Oh, wow. No, <laughs> just to add on to our like clothing episode that we did, yard sales are fantastic for finding cheap clothes. Oh, I got an yeah. uh, Under Armour sweatshirt. So, you know, like that's pretty expensive if you're just going to go buy one. And like an American Eagle jacket and um, American Eagle t-shirt. And the other was just like a zip up um, hoodie that's like from Kohl's, but all like in really great shape and for 50 cents total. Hmm. So that's awesome. Yeah. I'm sure people had some stuff to purge after all their time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, I know we did after going through closets and everything, but anywho, enough chit chat, I guess. This is another episode that we're doing on our Fruitful and Fearless series about women in history that have inspired us. And today we're going to be talking about Elizabeth Elliot. Yay! Love it. What's your favorite Elizabeth Elliot book? Uh, Let Me Be a Woman. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good one. Let Me Be a Woman came to me at the perfect time. <laughs> mm. um, whenever I had just moved out of my parents' house and moved to Carbondale to go to school. Mm. Um, you know, I had had biblical femininity modeled to me and didn't even realize mm-hmm. it um, because my mom did a really great job at that. But um, I, I think she just kind of, sus- um, I don't know, suspected that I understood fully why my family mm-hmm. operated that way. And I didn't really biblically understand why. So, oh, some okay. of, so some of that didn't get translated to me theologically. Like it wasn't I, explicitly taught to you, even yeah. though you had the model. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So then whenever I went to college, um, I, I don't know, I just kind of, I didn't assume I would, um, I would, my life would play out the way that it is now and the way that I believe God calls me to live out my life as a woman. Mm. Um, so I started going to, um, the church that Jared was pastoring at the time. Um, we weren't, we weren't dating or anything. We met whenever I was attending there, but he started preaching on, he did a series called roles, uh, the roles of men and women in the church and then the home. And God just did something amazing in my heart and mm. made that beautiful and made sense. And, and mm. ever since then, and he also gave me the book, let me be a woman. So I read Jared that. Did? Yes. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. Funny. That's cool. So, so that's what kind of started my journey of like, Oh yes, this is totally right. And, um, mm-hmm. and just kind of solidified mm-hmm. it in like a heart sense. And, um, mm. and I have absolutely loved it and found and I, I think about sometimes women who, Christian women who are kind of warring with that idea for a season. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it makes me feel very sad because I'm like, mm-hmm. man, the the teaching of biblical femininity and like trusting what God tells women their roles are is so, so freeing or it has mm-hmm. been for me, just like incredibly mm-hmm. freeing and life-giving mm-hmm. and beautiful. So um, 
yeah, that, that has been a book that was really, really insightful and awesome for me. That's a really cool story. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Your future wife. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We need more context. Did he get that book out to everybody or was it literally? He, he, (laughs) he was, um, I don't know what the right word was. He wanted to date me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. That's cute. I think that was at the beginning of our, I don't, he's, he's kind of paying more attention to me than the rest of the congregation. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on here? That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Which was a tricky thing for like a 20, early 20s pastor that was not married. Like how do I I bet how do I date someone without having a scandal or people that reminds me scandalous of things? <laughs> Zach S. Wine's story, which I'm sure since Jared loves Zach S. Wine, I'm sure you've heard that same thing when he was trying to navigate dating. <laughs> oh, did he tell that story at the um, marriage conference? You were, you were I don't Zach know. S. I've just, I've read, Brian was at that one. I've just read his okay. books and he's talked about it a little okay. bit in there. Okay. He did. He did tell a story like that at um, the marriage retreat. What was it called? Mm-hmm. Uh, husband's and wife, whatever, whatever that's sojourn. Yeah, but they call it something. I can't remember what the husband, oh okay husband and wife retreat, whatever that is called. But um, he he was at one of them. Who spoke at the one you were at? Um, mustache man. Oh, Paul Tripp. Uh, yeah, there you go, Paul okay. Tripp. <laughs> <laughs> okay, gotcha. Yeah. All right, cool. So yeah, Elizabeth Elliot, what has been some things that have been, um just life-giving for you from Elizabeth Elliot or things that God has used to really, um, I don't know, speak to you. Tell us some of your favorite Um, things about Elizabeth Elliot. So I found Elizabeth Elliot in our second year of marriage on blueletterbible.com. All of her audio is up there. And the second year of marriage was also my first year of being a parent and being home full time, which was just perfect because I was trying to figure out how to be home, but we were also kind of struggling in our marriage and I was trying to be a new mom. And so mm-hmm. just having access to her audio was so helpful for me. Um, now, let me ask you a quick question. Now, when you say uh-huh. her audio, are you talking about mm-hmm. like the, didn't she do like a radio show or something? Is that um, what you're talking about? Or just like you know, audio books of hers? I don't know. It. I think it was just her, like her conference type oh, okay. talks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I know. I've heard that she has a radio, so I don't know what the difference is there necessarily, okay. but after I listened through all of them and finally got my hands on some of her books, I realized her books and her audio are kind of the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but yeah, I mean, I guess one of the most helpful things was just her consistency and driving home as a wife. Like you need to serve your husband because you see Christ in your husband, not Mm -hmm. because your husband deserves it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I needed, I just needed to hear that and have that correction in, in our marriage really. Um, and then years later, so I know one of the gals who was kind of like in her inner eight women that she mentored and, um, she kind of mentored me for a short season and just hearing about Elizabeth's life and her marriages after that and knowing even her, her marriages after her first husband died, they weren't perfect. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. knowing that, really further drove home like the messages um of suffering that she has that and that she still said it you know yeah even though she is a lot of times i think people think um well someone only will preach about something if it's easy for them or if they're able Mm -hmm. to live it well like live Mm -hmm. it in a natural way Mm -hmm. or whatever 
Cool. Yeah, because I, I guess my conception before that was that all of this talk on suffering and glorifying Christ and your suffering was an overflow of her relationship with Jim Elliott and him passing at such an early age. But mm-hmm. really, it was a consistent thing that God was, I mean, her second husband died of cancer. Mm-hmm. And then she died before within her like other years, husbands. Within like yeah. four years of them being married, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was just a theme. Suffering was a huge theme in her life. And that was just super, super helpful for me. Um, I think also I found out about Amy Carmichael and Lilius Trotter through her. So, I mean, Amy Carmichael, I love Amy Carmichael. Um, so it was just like this, this awakening to all of these Christian women that I had, I could sit at their feet and I could learn from them. And, um, and I also had like my mom, I had a beautiful vision for what a home life could be, but I, I don't know why necessarily. And I think it was maybe part of that generation, the why behind those things were not taught to me. And so having, um, you know, Edith Schaefer and Elizabeth Elliot and Amy Carmichael kind of step in and say explicitly why we're doing these things. It was, it was a missing piece to the puzzle that I just, I latched onto it and I just fell in love really. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, yeah. So I just kind of go back to, even after Cyril was born, I pulled down Keep a Quiet Heart by Elliot and it was just so helpful just to reorient and have a mom kind of come beside me in another hard season and just, you know, speak mm-hmm. truth. Yeah. So what's your, did, what was your favorite book? Did you say of hers? You know, I have a hard time. So I, I loved Let Me Be a Woman, but I think Keep a Quiet Heart might be my favorite book. I haven't read that one. I want to, I want to check that out. After I was looking at all of her books last night, I was like, oh man, I want to read so many of these. Yeah. Um, I do know this one isn't a book that she wrote, but she wrote the chapter on femininity in recovering biblical manhood and womanhood by Grudem and Piper. Okay. And I know like that was a huge life-changing moment in my heart. And even Brian says like, you were completely different after that season. Hmm. Um, in, in that chapter, she, she's actually quoting C.S. Lewis and I don't know where the original source is from, but C.S. Lewis is saying that the church has left in talking about gender roles. The church has left, um, scripture, divine revelation for pragmatism. And hmm. so what we have now, Elliot was further going on and saying, what we have as a result of that is women stepping into the pulpit. Hmm. But what God used that to convict in my heart was just how many areas am I making a decision? I'm departing from scripture. I'm departing from divine revelation. And instead I'm allowing pragmatism to reign in place in all of the decisions I'm making in my home. And at that point, honestly, joylessness was the result of it. So just having that, just realizing you can't do that in the church. It's sinful to do that. Um, and just seeing the devastation on a larger scale made me realize the devastation on a smaller scale in my own heart and that I needed to completely repent of all pragmatism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you seen seen Vody Bauckham's interview on CNN that he did? Uh, this is back whenever, um, Palin was running. um, Mm -mm. Okay. Well, they were asking him, um, this made me think of it. They were asking him like, okay, so what do you think if Sarah Palin gets elected that will do for some of the evangelicals that believe that a woman can't um, be in the pulpit? Do you think that mm-hmm. that will change their minds seeing a woman like run the nation? And he was like, it was, it's just such a good interview because he was like, Vody Bauckham just like says absolute truth to this CNN reporter. And she's like, well, I think Vody, I think Reverend Bauckham's being a little sexist, don't you? <laughs> oh my gosh. It's just, he does such a great job. But he says in there, like, it's not my job 
there, there's another reporter, um, a woman that's like giving a rebuttal and she's saying like, well, um, we're, we're living in a society where it's, that's way too much pressure to only have one breadwinner that the woman needs to be working, that finances require two people to be working. And he was, and that basically what he was saying is it's not my job to figure out how things are going to work out. It's my job to declare what the gospel says yeah. and what the Bible says. And, um, yeah. and it's the job of the church to like represent mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. it was just, he did an excellent job, but I, I've been watching mm-hmm. stuff because of all the racial reconciliation things. He has a lot of excellent things to say about that. But, um, he said on there once, mm-hmm. like, uh, CNN asked me on once, <laughs> but <it's, laughs> like it was, he just did such a great job in the interview, just mm-hmm. speaking truth and not backing down even when he was being mm-hmm. sexist. So that's really good. Yeah. But maybe yeah, Brian's always great. talking about how if Elizabeth Elliot was alive today, she would totally be canceled because she just is. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Too feminine. <laughs> yeah. It's encouraging. It's so encouraging to see people in the Christian walk who, who have a platform of any kind, who are not afraid to say what the Bible mm-hmm. says and mm-hmm. won't back down when they're pushed about it. Um, oh yeah. I'm so tired of hearing people apologize for the Bible that I can't hardly stand it. Like yeah. people, people say what the Bible says and then someone rebuttals them and they're like um, okay I'm so sorry that I offended you by that like I shouldn't have went that far with it blah 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 and it's like don't apologize like you said what the bible said like mm-hmm. why do we feel the need to apologize for God's word it, it's going to be an offensive message yeah we we need to really check our heart when we're qualifying things before we even say them <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah but yeah it's in in our society Elizabeth Elliot is not Honestly, like even a lot of Christians probably know who Elizabeth Elliot is, but um, if they read a lot of what she said, I'm not, I'm not sure that they would love her. Oh yeah. Yeah. Most people her. know her for her story with Jim mm-hmm. Elliot mm-hmm. and that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. Have you read through the, through the gates of splendor? You know, I, so I'm her not, well, I guess it's all nonfiction, but her, biographical writing isn't necessarily my favorite. Okay. I have so it. I read a large part of it, but I never finished it. Um, Shaping of a Christian Family was pretty good though. But yeah, I definitely prefer her more, I guess, devotional type writing over mm-hmm. the others. But maybe now that I'm older though, I'd like it if I went yeah, went back to it. Um, now her and um, Jim Elliott, they were only married like four or five years too, right? Yeah, I think because I think Valerie was like 18 months old when he passed I think I might be getting that wrong but no I think that's right um some of my favorite Jim and Elizabeth Elliott things are um and Jared and I said this to each other early on whenever we had to be apart for different reasons um wherever you are be all there Mm -hmm. the Elliott quote that's one of our favorite kind of things to say whenever we're apart from each other and then another Elizabeth Elliott thing that I really love was the story of after Jim Elliot died and um, Elizabeth and Valerie stayed, um, stayed living Mm. in Ecuador and her, I think it was her mother-in-law that wrote and was like, you know, why don't you come home? I don't feel like you're processing this correctly. (laughs) Um, That you're letting yourself really (laughs) grieve. And um, Elizabeth Elliot wrote back and said, um, do we not believe that there is a peace that surpasses all understanding? Mm. And the mm-hmm. reality, and um, that has been 
really encouraging for Jared and I, because we've gone through really hard seasons and God really has provided a peace that surpasses understanding. And there's been times in those seasons that people accused us of not processing things. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we were like, no, God's really honestly just faithful. And and people have been (laughs) like, no, you guys need to slow down and really take time to really, you know, get this all out, you know, and really think about it and really process it. And it's like, do we really believe that God is with us through difficulty and that that he gives us a peace that surpasses understanding? And so anyways, I've always really loved that story with Elizabeth Elliot, um, Mm. of her faithfulness and like really trusting the Lord, um, in the midst of difficulty. Yeah. She has at the back of, I think this is part of why I like keep a quiet heart is the back chapters. I can't remember exactly what they're all about, but they're intensely practical, like intense, hard, practical life questions. Um, like how to homeschool with so many kids or she had one where it was like a, a missionary father was writing and saying they were expecting like their fifth or sixth child unexpectedly in hard, hard circumstances. All the other children had some sort of a in illness. And he was just saying like, how do we welcome this child? And all of her responses are so solid, just like what you're saying. They're all scripturally based, all solid, but they're not practical Mm -hmm. (laughs) to the average Christian because it doesn't, it is a sort of, um, surpassing divine advice, I guess you could say. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. she has just so many really, really helpful parts at the end of that book. Hmm. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that out. I wonder if Jared has that one. I know he has a bunch of her books. I was just asking him last night, like, do you have this one? Do you have that one? <laughs> That's the book where she talks specifically about, like, if you want, when someone is asking her, how do you um, do a Titus II model in the in the home? Like, what would you recommend? She's, I mean, not in the home, in the church. And she says, well, first of all, don't take women out of the home in order to do Titus II. Mm-hmm. That's where she talks about it is in that book. So. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. I know Jared, I haven't read it, but I know Jared really liked her book on suffering. Uh, oh yeah. Path. Yeah. That's a good one. Well, is that the one? I think that's the one where she's basically commentating on Lilius Trotter's art, if I remember correctly. Okay. It, I think I talked a little bit about Lilius. I think it's one of her last books. That she oh, wrote. I don't know. Um, I don't know if it was one of her last ones. Okay. Um, is it the person oh. who, who did the art with, um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Her I just forgot about this one too. Her, um, I did really enjoy the Amy Carmichael biography she wrote. And I don't know if maybe that's because I love Amy Carmichael, but she just did such a good job of portraying the realities of um, like motherhood. And Mm -hmm. Amy Carmichael seems like this person who was able to accomplish all of these things, but she just really brought in the reality of what it was like to be raising all these children in an orphanage in the midst of having a writing life and leading others and being patient, you know. Yeah, yeah I want to so get that one. that's a really one. good one. I have mm-hmm. the um, Ian Murray biography oh, yeah, yeah. of Amy Carmichael. Um, have we talked about Amy Carmichael? I forget. No. No, I don't think Okay. That. But um, I'd like to get Elizabeth Elliot's version of it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, um, that's really good. So um, the girl that was a part of her inner circle. Mm-hmm. You. Um, so how did you know her? How did you um, have that connection? Um, so we our church was originally planted as a Calvary chapel and I used to write for their website back in the day. And she, I think, I think she just started reading, her name was Kathy. She just started reading my, um, my stuff on there. But then we went out there to visit friends once and I got to meet her. She is the assistant to 
the Brodersons, which um, Brian Broderson is kind of like the lead pastor in the Calvary Chapel movement right now. Um, and I just kept in touch with her because I was often writing for Deeply Rooted. I was writing about Elizabeth Elliot all the time. And people at our church used to joke about Elizabeth Elliot just being my spirit animal because I just, <laughs> I just gained so much from her and always encouraged people to read her. But because Kathy knew her personally, she really followed me closely. Um, and then Kathy ended up coming out to Utah and she did a women's conference for us mm-hmm. once. And I just have kind of kept in touch with her over the years. She knows Lars, who is, um, not Edith, who is Elizabeth's mm-hmm. husband or was Elizabeth's husband before she passed. And she got me in contact with him and, um, I got to talk to him a little bit and he shared like some of Elizabeth's, uh, notes from when she was actually going to conferences, teaching about writing, not specifically about Christianity, but about writing and stuff. So I had had contact with his family, but at that, with her family, but at that point she was, it wasn't a dementia. Well, she had dementia. I don't know technically if that's what she passed away from, but at that point, Elizabeth was no longer able to communicate. Mm -hmm. So, um, I just kind of kept in touch with, with him here and there. And I don't know, it was just, um, yeah. So Kathy was one of her inner eight, I think it's, was it Magnolia? Is it Magnolia, Massachusetts where they live? I think that's where they live. Um, Kathy had been there to like visit her. And I think pretty sure she told me she'd even had it. Elizabeth had even dedicated a book to her. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. And so when Elizabeth would go around the country speaking, Kathy, when she went to California, Kathy would work her table for her. Hmm. That's cool. So, yeah. It's a neat connection. Yeah, it was a cool connection. Really cool so, connection. So, is there a place where people can read your writings about Elizabeth Elliot? Um, at this point? So, yeah. I think if you go to the Deeply Rooted blog, you can find specifically – I did like a tribute to Elizabeth Elliot the day after she passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's on there. I don't know when I stepped down from Calvary, I don't know if they kept my stuff up okay. or not. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think just like the biggest thing with deeply rooted was that when she passed away, I kind of felt like, well, crap, there goes a great generation. <laughs> 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 and I realized like really meditating on that morning, um, I realized that the same exact grace that equipped Elizabeth Elliot yes. is available to equip me today. Amen. And that honestly, that was a huge moment in my life where I thought either I can be despairing and mm-hmm. look on the past with total nostalgia mm-hmm. and wish that everyone else would just be like Elizabeth Elliot, or I can realize God can equip me to be that exact sort of woman for other women today. Yeah. And that's been the trajectory of women's ministry for me ever since yeah. then. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah, it's really cool. All right. So any other favorite things about Elizabeth Elliot that you'd like to share? I'm sure you do. Um, have <laughs> I, I mean, I, I really liked her family that that was a really helpful picture to see what it looked like to have generational reformed Christianity passed down. So I, I highly, highly recommend that book for that reason. And her dad, I mean, what was even the name just of that this, one? Uh, I think it's the shaping of a Christian family. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's a, biography about her mother and her father. So like their childhood growing up and then her childhood in their home growing up. Mm, Cool. So yeah, so she's just got some really cool stories. Her dad was a really, really, really cool guy. Um, he, this might make Elizabeth Elliot make more sense to you guys. Her father went blind by 
playing with firecrackers, I believe it was, when he was told not to. Oh, wow. And so he knew from a very early age, he understood the, the danger involved in disobedience. Hmm. And that was just a really big theme in their family. And Elizabeth was seeing it day in and day out. Her father could yeah. not see because he was disobedient. Wow. And so that really plays into, I feel, all of her writing. Hmm. Um, so yeah, there's just like little things like that that were that were really interesting. Um, he was a, an editor of a Christian newspaper. And so seeing her early life, cause so my degree is in creative writing. So seeing her life as a writer was also really interesting to me. Um, she could obviously write way more than I am able to write now because she only had one child, but, um, she started like her own little family news newspaper when they were younger and she'd like publish it once a year for family members and stuff. So it just helped me really think through like, what are fruitful things that I can set up in our family to continue to pass on this generational type of a faith? Yeah. That's cool. So yeah. There we go. Elizabeth Elliot. Elizabeth Elliot. We love her. Check her out. Yep. I think we mentioned her in our beauty episode too. Oh yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Yes. Yep. Her, her sweet little gap in her teeth. I love it. I love that gap in her teeth. Love it. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And I hope you have a good day. Check out some of Elizabeth Elliott's books. We love them. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast. This show is a part of the ministry of The Shepherd's Crook. The Shepherd's Crook exists to remind pastors of Jesus through care, coaching, resources, and events. We have also started The Shepherd's Crook for Wives. Jordan and Lexi are contributing articles to the site, and you can find all the information at theshepherdscrook.co.